Hello, my name is Ben. Hi, uh, my name is Andrew Coltrane, uh, also known as Partly Robot. And we are the hosts of the Too Vague podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the word ability. Andrew, when I say the word ability to you, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Oh boy, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, I just made a zine called Ability. Uh So that means a lot of things come to mind. Um, do, do podcast listeners know what a zine is? <laughs> they may, I think they do. Um, I, I don't think aunt, my, my aunt does. Well, can she send in an email? She could. She, she could. could. And yeah. then I, I could like voice memo you what the answer would be. Right. Or I could just talk about it right now. You could just talk about it. Right okay, now. fine. I think that's good. All right. But so, and Nora, send the question anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> okay, so a zine is like this kind of thing that we did back uh, before we had podcasts. Um, no, it's a, a little... Uh, well, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very much in, the, in a similar spirit in the sense that um, in the days when photocopies were cheap and, you know, everyone was an artist, uh, you could make a little photocopied magazine of your thoughts and dreams and comics and whatever. And... Uh, and then make uh, you know a few dozen copies of it and just uh, foist them off on random strangers. Yeah, and friends, and right. sometimes sell them in a record store. They used to have those record stores. Record right. stores. Right. Um, but now, yeah, there, there are still there are still people who like zines. Uh, there are still bookstores. I've I've talked to bookstore owners, and uh, actually, the pandemic's been good for them. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, for some reason, people uh, decided they needed to buy books. Yeah, more reading. More re- more reading and more, like, what the heck are we going to do at home? And right. Is it, is it interesting that people prefer the, the physical? Because, I mean, I would think that bookstores would be would be getting a lot of orders but then also a lot of those online like like, like the, the ebooks yeah 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 wow. as as uh as ben bova referred to them the cyber books the cyber books yeah ben bova predicted the cyber book back in 1970 whatever i don't know now here out a book called cyber books okay that's ah, gosh this is such a tangent no that's fine <laughs> we, we that's totally okay that's yeah. that's basically that's the show i was going to talk about ability but let me talk to you about Old guy sci-fi author Ben Bova. Okay. I, I don't know. He wrote some stories and I read them. In high school, when I would hide out in the library during every break because uh, I had crippling social anxiety. Mm-hmm. So every lunch and before school, I'd just be in the library and I would pick uh, a book off the shelf and read parts of it. And then when lunch was over, I would put it back on the shelf, same spot. Right. And just you know, pick it up the next day. Because nobody was uh, checking out this collection of Ben Bova short stories from the library, mm-hmm. but um, so uh, so that comes circles me back to ability and my relationship with with printed words. Your zine is called "Ability: Emerging from the Social Constraints of Neurodivergence and Disability." Yes. So that whole story about you and the library and social anxiety is that when you kind of realized that there was something different about you or I would say I probably actually realized there was something different about me around when I was 10 years old, just out of sync with everybody and just sort of, you know, recognizing and deciding, well, I guess I'm weird. Mm -hmm. And in fifth grade, that was fine. Right. Um, 
middle school got really hard because everybody started to try to become hyper normal in middle school. Right. You know, like everybody needs to conform to, you know, the the social norms that they see in the, you know, in the Brat Pack movies. Everybody has to act like those people. Right. And I'm like, I don't really feel like they're I'm represented in the Breakfast Club. Right. So uh, <laughs> that was not my thought process at all at the time. It was more like I'm going to keep my my windbreaker zipped up all the way up to my chin until uh, until sometime in May when uh, my friend that I've gone to school with since kindergarten asked me if I like being a nerd. And I recognize in myself some troubles with a lot of like social anxiety and mm-hmm. figuring out how to talk to people. And um, there were times where I just would not talk to people like right. maybe my vocal cords didn't work. And, uh, or for whatever reason, um, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm talking about. This was like in the, the late eighties where stuff started getting really hard. Cause I was my freshman year in high school in right. like 1988, 89. And that's, that's when, you know, I didn't have any friends at my high school yet, or I felt like that. It was a new. It was a new high school for you. New people. You well, didn't know anyone else, or not really. It was more like it was. I I felt like everybody that I'd known, like mm-hmm. everybody, like my my uh, my elementary school fed into the two middle schools. Right. So in middle school, I was like half of my old elementary school kids, and then the other half went to this other middle school, and then we all came back for high school. And then the half that missed out on me in middle school are like, whoa, what happened to Andrew? And the thing is, like, you know, I'd become like this hyper withdrawn nerd because I just didn't get the the leaps and bounds that other people were taking socially. Right. Where I was like, no, I, I want to still be liking the stuff I liked when I was 11. Right. Like, I'm really into Robotech still and right. comic books. And I want to really be into that. And people are getting girlfriends and boyfriends and stuff and are not into Robotech and they're not like who <laughs> luckily I found some guys that were into the X-Men. Okay. My sophomore year. Yeah. And they were uh, really into collecting mutants and saving them from the normals. Do, so- <laughs> do, do you think that that, I, I think now it seems to be that nerds are, I don't want to say in fashion, but it's sort of like, it's more acceptable to be nerdy. Almost to a point where it's not even being nerdy anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That that is interesting. And I, I have conflicting feelings about that. You know what? Let's 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 take it back to ability though. Let's take it back to ability. That's good because uh this was like the late eighties where I was recognizing I was having a lot of trouble. Academically I was doing okay in my classes, actually probably getting straight A's because I wasn't doing anything else but reading comic books and doing my homework. Right. Um but, you know, socially, it was hard. I was avoiding any situation where I had to talk to another person uh-huh. because, you know, I had internal blocks. Right. And uh, it took me a long time to figure out workarounds for all that. Mm-hmm. And my comic book nerd friends helped okay, because they were accepting of me how I was. Right. That helped. When did you start expressing your yourself through through drawing and 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 drawing these things for zines and, uh, and writing and drawing? Well, 
was that a part of you dealing with high school and being a quote unquote a nerd and a comic book person or whatever? It, it, it started there. I would I would do a lot of drawing as a attention reliever for. You know, basically, I'm sitting in class. Maybe we're supposed to be taking notes on something, but I was, like, uh, drawing new G.I. Joe vehicles or robots or whatever. Right. You know, that really important stuff. Right. And, exactly. And uh, doing doing a little bit of uh, reading uh, role-playing game manuals and right. uh, generating characters and uh-huh. thinking it wouldn't be neat if uh, I had a group of friends that we could actually do this with. And eventually, I did get some a couple of kids it's always always an interesting group that you end up with. Yeah, eventually by my senior year in high school, I fell in with the Rocky Horror Picture Show drama nerds. And that <laughs> okay. was also another really accepting, inclusive group. Right, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> People who are different and understand, they have to navigate that or, yeah. or more understanding of others and their differences and their uniqueness and right. so on and so forth. Yeah. So... So boy, I'm I'm taking a long way around to get to ability. Ability. That's fine. Because well, we're gonna fast forward because I was you know, I was in high school in the late eighties, early nineties. Right. Um, you know, around nineteen ninety-two, mm-hmm. uh, in the world of psychology, um, somebody started investigating some old uh old psychological research that kind of had been uh, neglected or ignored or we don't want to look at it because it happened to uh, come out of 1930s Austria. So there was sort of a taboo about looking into any kind of research that might have had anything to do with Nazis. Right. But somebody was like, well, you know, this one guy, uh, Hans Asperger, he's got a lot of research about these uh this group of kids that he worked with that had some similar things to like the american definition of autism but is a little mm-hmm. different okay and maybe there's something maybe we're missing out on a whole like group of people that maybe have have some challenges and could use a different kind of help right and so that's kind of where this uh the asperger syndrome came from mm-hmm. and you know i started looking around like oh there are people like this a lot of them are in academia or in the arts or um, there's that one guy in Talking Heads, you know. Right, <laughs> right. David Byrne. David Byrne, who eventually, you know, turned around and said, you know, yeah, I, I totally identify with this. This explains right. a lot of my own social anxiety, my awkwardness, my my different perspective on things. Right. And uh, and that's also it. Also explains the breakup too of the Talking Heads. Yeah. If you if you if you look into that, Tina Weymouth. I don't want to put words in 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 her mouth, but I think I read an article where she still doesn't understand his perspective. She just didn't. He she couldn't relate to it. A lot of things that we get confused about are things that we don't understand, right? Or yeah. don't want to understand. That's right. But, and you know, there's stuff you don't want to understand about yourself, right? Right. Because that's that's one thing about me is that. I knew that I had challenges. What I didn't know was that not everybody was working as hard to overcome their challenges as I was. Right. Like, it has not been um, an uncommon occurrence for me to have to walk around the block three or four times before I can go into a new um, a new place to get a haircut. I mean, I'm better about that now because I found my place and I just go there every time. But right, right, <laughs> you know, like, and and I think that that's that's to me. I mean, 
we'll talk about what what the spectrum is yeah. and what what that actually means or if it means anything. Yeah. So going back to to your your zine ability, that came from a, a previous sort of glossary of terms that you came up with in uh, A is for Aspergers a couple of years ago. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Um, that that was something that I came up with because, um, let's see, I'm going to say it was about 10 years ago now. Right. Maybe 11. And but you know, that I um, finally got brave enough to crack open these books on Aspergers. Mm-hmm. And and start to be brave enough to truly recognize like oh yeah this is actually what i identify with i have similar struggles with all this and so it started a really steep learning curve Mm -hmm. where i kind of threw myself into it and i actually ended up uh well let's see there there was a other other couple directions that i came into it from Mm -hmm. one of them was you know i got tired of working uh in a used bookstore, um, which I really liked hanging out around used books because I've always been comforted by books. Correct. And yeah. the nerdy people yeah. that work in used bookstores, really, um, they all have their own interesting, quirky, you know, things that I felt at home with. Right. Um, and then differences. Was, differences. Right, right. Yeah. And then so I was like, okay, well, I need to maybe do something a little bit better. So I thought, well, middle school is where I started having trouble. Maybe I should try to become a middle school teacher. I think I remember. Was that? <laughs> I think I remember that. Yeah. So I went. I uh, went back to school to get a, a teaching certificate here in Arizona. Yeah. When, when was that again? Oh boy, I actually graduated from that program in 2010. Uh, one of the things that I ended up doing a lot of was was subbing in special ed programs a lot, uh-huh. and noticing that. You know, in, in programs where there were kids um, with with autism, as you know, officially diagnosed, uh-huh. uh, I I kind of understood where they were coming from a lot better than than the kids uh, in the the mainstream of the students. Right. It was just this thing. At first, I just started noticing, and mm-hmm. then I just kept noticing it and noticing it, and. Right. Other people, you know, I'd come in as a sub in a, a classroom with a bunch of other, you know, paraeducators and a teacher, and they would notice that, hey, these kids, they respond to you pretty fast. It's like you got some the magic touch or something. And I was like, uh, you could say that. Yeah, yeah. I have the magic. I have magic. All of a sudden, I have a secret power. I'm the right. autism whisperer. Right. And then... You yeah, know that I, I, the the ability. I have the ability. Yes. Yes. I have the ability to to make connections with these people that are hard to make connections with. Right. And so I started looking into that more and what is that about? And realized that, oh, it's it's really because we tend to recognize each other. It's one of those things where where you know, once I got brave enough to start going to like support groups and check it out and and be in a room with other people who were, you know, okay with, you know, being autistic. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're in a room, we're all together. And then I realized that, yeah, I, I belong in this room. Mm-hmm. And, and that gave me a better sense of myself, a better sense of my agency. But that, of, came, that came much later than... That, that came much later. Yeah, it took life. me a long time to get there because... Because what I was saying about the, you know, the Asperger is becoming a thing in the 90s, 
like after I was done with public education, mm-hmm. um, I was outside of that window where, you know, uh, disabilities and things get identified as part of, you know, the social infrastructure. Right. Because once you graduate from high school, um, you know, you're just a normal adult. It doesn't matter who you are on the inside. You're 18 years old. You can vote and, uh, in some states buy cigarettes and, uh, yeah, you're, you're a grown up, Right. And, uh, so there's nothing. But, in, but what does that mean? What does exactly? that mean? And for me, what it meant was, well, I did well in high school and I, you know, I got a good uh, fee waiver over at the university of Arizona. And so I started college there feeling pretty good about that. And then instantly kind of crashed because I did not have like the social skills mm-hmm. to navigate. I don't know. Maybe it might've even been just the university library, like this huge place where you have to talk to somebody to get the book you want. Right. And to figure it out. It's like, it's not just knowing the Dewey decimal. It's system. not no, no. Cause it's library of Congress there. And it's like, right. And it's microfiche and microfiche. I mean, now it's okay. Now it's different because so much of that stuff is digital resources and it's a lot easier to find that, you know, without having to go talk to a person about how do I use the machine? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh, you can, uh, I mean, there's still, there's different machines, but you know, right. It, but it's a, it's a more standardized sort more, of process where yeah. it's a computer and you can access all this stuff through, right. through there. And for some reason, autistic people tend to be good at computers. Yeah. It's almost like they invented them. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of people who have uh, strong suspicions about Alan Turing. Oh, okay. Yeah, like he, like his, his whole deal really kind of fits the the uh, adult autism, um, you know, sort of scenario. Right. Um, he's the the Turing test. The Turing test guy. He's the imitation game guy. Right. And uh, even though Benedict Cumberbatch will insist, no, he wasn't autistic. <laughs> like, well, it, you know. It, right, right. It's, okay, it's, Doctor Strange. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but what about your other autistic character, Sherlock Holmes? Right. No, I don't know. I mean, there's. It's you kind know, of, kind of tongue in cheek, but yeah. You know what I found out recently that I didn't know was that Black Manta in the DC universe apparently was autistic. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And apparently, and I don't know if that's the movie universe where his story was that he had this, uh, form of autism and basically he became black manna because they quote unquote cured him of this, but he also made him a murderer. So that is not really not exactly the, (laughs) the role model I'm reaching for. No, no, no. No, and and, and I was and I was like it was it was it was a, a looking at lists of autistic characters yeah. and things and movies and whatnot. I was like, well, that's not very that's not very uplifting. No, no, and it's not. And why would you want to cure something that's such a part of an individual and 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 has impacts into creativity and and it's it's a part that makes us unique. So it's not anything to cure. That's a million dollar question. Right. And that is actually, there are many people that feel that way. Like, and, and honestly, I think. Feel, I feel what way? Like, feel that, that cure is not really the right approach. No. And no. that, 
that then that's what the, that word neurodivergence and neurodiversity is about it's it's sort of like hey let us let's let's widen our understanding of what the human experience is mm-hmm. and let us let let's own the fact that brains don't come in one standard setting right and that's like the neurodiversity because autism you know is uh in, in essence it's there's something you know, different about how the brain works right. in autistic individuals. Now, between uh, individuals with autism, it is different and different and different because, uh, and, you know, and that's where that term, you know, autism spectrum comes from because right. nobody is really exactly like anybody else. Right. Which makes it hard for insurance companies and diagnoses. They they don't like that, which, which is why... They developed a spectrum, like a number or a ranking. Or well, you know, there probably are some numbers. There's some rankings. There's. It just seems like a. a it's it's sort of uh, that's sort of a thing that I don't. It's not my favorite. Let's right. see. There, oh, yeah. there is, there is a, a lot of discussion in the autism community, which which I've become more aware of and more part of about. Um, Describing somebody as high functioning versus low functioning, yeah, is problematic because because it makes uh, it seem like some people are uh, kind of think they're better than other people, right? And it's really that's part of why like uh, there's a lot of people who don't really want to use the term Aspergers anymore. Okay, yeah, I read that in yeah. the zine. It's yeah. kind of like you mentioned the fact that, and that was part of the reason why, yeah, um, you kind of. You yeah, know, you kind of said, okay, well, we're starting all over a little bit yeah. with, with this with this scene about right. about autism. Yeah, and 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 that's really part of it is that you know with the last uh, iteration of the the diagnostic manual, you know, the DSM, mm-hmm. um, they got rid of Asperger's as its separate diagnosis mm-hmm. and sort of expanded what they called autism spectrum disorder. Okay. Which, um, you know, uh, they also got rid of this other diagnosis called uh, pervasive developmental disability, not otherwise specified. So this big long term that you're like, well, what is that? PDDNOS. It's like, well, it's kind of a type of autism that's different than these other types, but it's like. Any kind of, I mean, yeah. Any kind of grouping like that can be problematic. It's, and then, and that's the thing. I think they figured out is that that all the groupings were problematic. Right. Like it's there's autism. It's a case by case sort of situation. It's a case by case situation. And for a lot of people who would get like a a label of high functioning because they could hold a conversation or something, you know, it would be based on verbal ability, right. which. Um, does not necessarily translate into ability to uh, keep a job without supports. Right. You know? Right. Um, and, and that's really the kind of things that we've, uh, we've got a society that sort of has some homogenized expectations for what people can do. And uh, if you don't fall within those expectations, uh, we don't, it's just sort of like, well, tough luck. And, and so, you know, what I'm really, really arguing for is to like recognize, well, let's, instead of looking at what 
people can't do, let's maybe try to look harder at what they can do. Right. And see what part of our societal setup is actually making it hard for them to have ability. Right. Right. Because some of it is like, it's like totally expectations. You know, there are some like modifications to the workday that can be given to people that can help them be productive. Right. Um, and it could be simple things like, oh, you know, sensory things in the environment, like lighting or environmental noise uh-huh. could be really distracting and hard for um, for somebody to be able to stay focused on their work. Right. Um, you know, part of that is like, well, maybe, you know, you should look for a job that sort of is in line with your sensory needs. But another part is there's a lot of jobs where... Well, like, you know, the office spaces that kind of got rid of uh, cubicles and went to, like, the open office format. Yeah. That is, like, a nightmare for somebody (laughs) with any sensory issues at all. Right. And probably a nightmare for most people. Yeah. But it's cheap. Yeah. It's it's (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't like the... I I, I like the cubicle myself because there's a little bit of privacy. Yeah. um, Or as the English call it privacy privacy oh the english <laughs> the english love me apparently oh do they, they do yeah um and this yeah let's let's go back to my my old zine the a's for asperger's which uh-huh. which was my little glossary oh yeah yeah i saw that you you had actual people from um uh what was the university oh university of leeds yeah yeah so Who actually uh, contributed exactly um so once once I like you know was exploring my diagnosis, got it confirmed, and my my diagnosis paperwork says autism. So I made that first DNA's for Asperger's just mm-hmm. as a way to explain a, a lot of these terms that I learned while researching my own diagnosis and researching other you know people just just learning, just going full into it. Right. And there's like all these words like alexithymia, which means I don't have the words for my feelings, like. You know, there's, there's, uh, well, it's like, then that's pretty much, yeah, like, <laughs> that's like, like everyone, right? Like, everyone, you know, it's sort of like, you know, but there is this, this specific, uh, word with Greek roots that, that talks about not being able to, to put words to your feelings. And then there, oh, there's other cool phenomenon, uh, prosopagnosia, mm-hmm. which is face blindness. Which, oh, so you just don't see don't, well, any features, or no? It's and then this isn't something that I actually experience, but I've I've talked to people who do, uh-huh. and it's neat. Um, it's just like you just don't recognize people by their facial features, and just like that part of the brain just isn't isn't connected. Mm-hmm. So, so do you recognize them by voice? Yeah, or? yeah. You can recognize people by voice. You can recognize people by their mannerisms, by the right. way they walk. And this is something that I realized because, you know, I work in school still right. and had been away for, you know, a year basically away from school. And then we came back for first a hybrid and all the kids were masked and all the adults were masked. Oh, you're talking about recently. Okay, recently. Current, current, yeah. Currently, yeah. In, in real life. And I'm like, this is an example of me like seeing a kid that i hadn't seen in a year and right. recognizing them but knowing that i wasn't recognizing them from their face right. and at the same time meeting people like colleagues for the first time in real life who had only seen on zoom but now they have a ma- mask on and i have no idea who they are right. like it's like 
it, it's not that I have no idea. It's like it's a, seeing it's someone. A, it's like I don't know what your body language is outside of the zoom rectangle. Right. So I can't recognize you right away. <laughs> right. But but I mean that's part of what this this. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. What was the word again? Oh, prosopagnosia. Prosopagnosia. Which means I can't remember your face in Greek. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Or can't remember faces. Right. Because like agnosia is like agnostic. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know your face. The prosopag. Yeah. Whatever. Prosopagnosia. Prosopagnosia is. Uh... I don't know why I remember that. That's just a fun word it's a to fun say. Fun word. I learned a lot of fun words. Prosopagnosia. And and basically, and there's like another one that. Um, it's sort of like you can't identify people by their voices. These and, all fit into um, social sort of hurdles. Yeah, or, there's, or things there's that... social. So they they are things. There there are lots of little possible hiccups mm-hmm. in the neurology that can create social complications. And you know sometimes it's just speech processing delays. Like it takes me a little bit longer to you know figure out oh when's it my turn to talk in a conversation, right? Or you know things like that. Um, or like I can't remember somebody's name if I don't see it written down. But if I take the time to visualize how well, how somebody's name would look written down when I meet them, then mm-hmm. I can you know if I do that extra step, I can remember it better. Right. But I do think that this is something that lots of people can experience. Right. It's not just an autism thing. None of these things are just autism things. Right. But with autism, you know, some of them build up. And that's really where like the social stuff happens is that you've got all these little extra hiccups because your brain is maybe looking at different things, you know, spending a lot of energy looking at patterns in, um, in the architecture around you patterns and, you know, looking at different stuff than most people look at. Right. So it's taken up a different part, you know, you're taking up brain power mm-hmm. and then the other stuff is uh, getting a little less power and you're having hiccups. And then you say something terribly awkward right? because your wife comes home from getting a haircut and then you're like, you look different. Are you taller? <laughs> And she's like, I told you I was going to go get my hair done. Right. <laughs> so, so like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, that's okay. why you look taller. Okay. Gotcha. That's because your hair is short, up, not on the shoulders anymore. So right. You're right. You, so, you, so obviously like, you've stretched out a bit and, and now and, you're taller. I, you know, it's like this kind of thing is like, well, okay, I was I was picking up the information, but I was interpreting it in a weird way and not connecting See, it to my memory the way you might be expected to. right when i met you and i went when i hung out with you whenever you said anything like that i just thought that that was a really creative way of of thinking of things a unique oh. way of thinking of things yeah. i never thought about it as uh, a disability or or something that was was wrong i just thought of it as a really creative unique perspective on things you know oh yeah I mean? well you remember like my little mantras that i used to have then right like uh, I would like talk about like uh, my my goal to have uh, for aloof sarcasm. Right, right. I remember aloof sarcasm. Aloof sarcasm, and that was like me protecting myself from whatever socially awkward thing I was going to do because I'm aloof right. and sarcastic. That's my thing. So if I accidentally did that, 
Like, hey, I'm the aloof, sarcastic guy. Right. I'm on brand. I'm on brand. Uh, also, well, I didn't understand that that hurt your feelings, but I'm the aloof, sarcastic guy. So right. Right. You should know that I'm going to accidentally hurt your feelings, which is not really... That was me creating a strategy that was not the best, but it was funny. It helped you navigate a little bit? It, it, helped, it, it helped me focus on something. My other strategy was uh, repeating... It's just a TV show. It's just a TV show. I think I remember that too. <laughs> because I was like, had it in my head, like, okay, so a TV show, you know, it's a sitcom. It, you get like this minor complication and it gets resolved in 30 minutes. So, right. you know, if I can just push through 30 minutes, then this little problem, that'll go away. Or, you know, and, and because sitcoms are all based on, you know, socially awkward situations. Right. And basically, Lucy lying to Ricky about something. Right. And then, yeah. You, you having a whole bunch of chocolates on a conveyor belt. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, basically, basically every sitcom is a ripoff of I Love Lucy. It's funny that you mentioned sitcoms. <laughs> yeah. Because when you, you use the AU, um, oh, as, yeah. And that, and that is a, a term that's a pronoun, or is that. Um, it's not. The, it's just that that's that's a way to identify yourself as autistic. Yeah, it's not really a pronoun. I just I'm like I like being experimental with language because one of my little pet hobbies is linguistics. I guess mm-hmm. amateur linguist, sure. Right. Um, but um, AU is actually uh, this uh, let's see Facebook group. And so the AU and the both the A and the U have a little Frenchy circumflex accent over them. Right. Um, but that is, is like a an autism identity signifier. And some people like to put that after their name. Right. Like if I was going to go that route, I'd be Andrew Coltrane AU. Sounds like a doctor. Yeah, it sounds like a doctor. I'm not exactly against that, but uh, and and some people do that. But I was like... I'm just like exploring it because uh, because I found out about it. I'd seen people do it, and I like contacted the people that are part of this group, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, so what's this about? And they say, well, you know, you know, it's about you know positive uh, autistic identity. So you know, you put it on your name to say, hey, I I'm not only am I autistic, but I want I want to make sure that you know I am, and and I'm uh, doing this because I want to you know, be autism forward, have a positive, um, interaction with this rather than try to pretend I'm somebody else. Right. Which, but doesn't it, but doesn't that also have the opposite effect, which is people who don't understand or have a preconceived notion of what autism is. If you identify yourself that way, I think there, there's more of an understanding of what autism is nowadays, Mm -hmm. but I still think that it's like anything else. It's people have their preconceived notions and don't get to know a person for who they are are you are you more comfortable telling someone that that you're autistic right off the bat or 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 are you more kind of just kind of you know if you connect with someone then you kind of can tell them you know it's really a situational thing that i've been figuring out right um i would say uh you know, in situations where it's going to be important, uh-huh. like, um, say, a situation like a potential relationship. Like, right. This is right. theoretical <laughs> because, uh, well, it's not theoretical. It already happened. 
Right. <laughs> but it's like the sort of things like, okay, I'm getting to know you. Um, I'm really interested in you as a person. You need to know this about me right. because, right. Um, you know, in that sense. And that would be something something that it's it's been hard for me to do and i'm trying to be more brave about it right and like recently um you know this came up for me at at the school that i work at where i work as a paraeducator because right. on my on my teaching stint i discovered that i don't have the social bandwidth to to maintain classroom dynamics for a whole class right I'm much better in a support role where someone else is the teacher in charge of that uh-huh. and I can support the other stuff. So that's part of me finding my strengths and doing that. Right. But finding your place uh, find, where, find, where you fit. And also getting the chance to work with people that I know can benefit from my help. Which right. It really rewards me. Yeah. And so at my school, like another thing was going on this year. You know, we are at a, a moment culturally where some of us, are are working to expand our our understanding of gender right and what that means mm. and so at my school there were the counselors were like look we want to be more inclusive with our genders we want to let kids know that if they're feeling like their biological gender you know their whatever anatomy gender isn't really ringing true with what who they are that they can actually say no I'm, I want to be he, I want to be they, I want to be, she, you know, I want to be something different right, right? than because I don't, you know, and it, it's, it's a delicate thing because, you know, on the one hand, you're like, well, I don't, I don't want to believe that kids might think of themselves like that. But, uh, but at the same time, from my working with kids, I realize that no, kids do have this sense of their identities different at an early age. Right. And, and also, there is so much overlap between, you know, adults I would talk to and, you know, other, other people that I interact so much interact, you know, overlap between uh, non-binary identifying mm. or trans identifying, like with, with autism, like there's, there's something about the autistic brain setup that for a lot of people, it's like, well, you know, this this sort of socially constructed gender role is another socially constructed thing right. that I'm right. tired Which of is, putting on. Right. Because and it's it's something else to navigate and, something else and to navigate. figure out. And and, and uh, so there is a range. There are a lot of there are a lot of uh, autistic trans people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of non binary autistic people. And I there's like even after I wrote my thing, I found out you know right you yeah, said uh, oh yeah there's a, the there's somebody who threw this term auti gender out which right. I was like I was like oh that's a neat neat term and I was like you know and it was more like not exactly a gender but it's sort of a acknowledgement of the phenomenon that people with autism might see their own identity as sort of being separate from from gender like. Right. Gender is something that's kind of part of the body, but my mind is doing other things too. Right. So. I mean, is that is well? I mean, you know, we talked about Pride Month last month. Yeah. I mean, is that? I, I don't want to add more things to the word queer, but um, some people really do identify as being neuroqueer, which is another new word that I found. Huh. Which I'm not. 
I don't know. There's so many words. I don't really understand what they all mean, but I feel like they have deep personal meaning to all the people that use them. And so that is really, really what I want to honor is that, you know, people who are like, no, I need to have this pronoun or no, I need to have this identifier. They have deep personal reasons for why they feel that way. And that it doesn't cost me anything to honor that. Right. Right. It's respect. It's respect. It's basic respect. And that's why for my little pronoun button at school, I was like, well, you know, I don't really care what pronoun people use with me. People are just going to use he, him. That's easy. And uh, but can you throw an AU on it so that kids who might feel like, oh, I want a different pronoun know that there's an adult that also can have a different pronoun. And even though it's not really functionally a pronoun. Right. But I have jokingly told people that, yeah, you can just say, hey, you. Right. And I realize, oh, that rhymes with hey, you. Okay, it's fine. Right. You know, whatever. To kind of get back to, you said the, you you were mentioning the thing about the um, the sitcoms, right? Oh, the sitcoms, yeah. Yeah, and AU being the chemical symbol for gold. Yep. Um, which reminds me of where I first learned that was The Facts of Life, the sitcom. Tootie was trying to study for a chemistry exam, and they were helping her trying to come up with mnemonics to remember uh-huh. these things. And the one that they had for gold was AU, give me back my gold watch. AU. <laughs> yeah. So that's whenever I hear, whenever I see AU, that's what I think of. I don't uh, think of, yeah. Did, did, did Joe come up with that one? Uh, no, it wasn't Joe. It was, it was, uh, it was Natalie. I Na- think it was Natalie. Natalie. Yeah. Natalie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Natalie would, yeah. Natalie. That's totally Natalie. That's, that's so totally Natalie. Natalie. But see, there's a thing like, like Joe was the one I had a crush on. Oh, you and me both, man. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I, I tend to, to crush on tough girls. I get right. it. Yeah, for me it was for me it was more strong, strong, strong girls, strong girls. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. The strong. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I've always admired strength in women. We can bring it back to ability. There's a strength from from having the confidence of knowing who you are. Right. And that's. You know, that's what I'm really trying to to get at uh, with my zine, with my little booklet there, is that uh, we, we can be stronger if we can know who we are and give each other that respect, right? right. It, doesn't, it doesn't hurt me to honor another person for who they are. How they want to be addressed. How they want to be addressed, exactly. Can you tell me what being a non-gendered pilot of a... Uh, of a gendered meat robot. What does that mean to you? And what does it have to do with ability? What does it have to do with ability? Well, um, it has a lot to do with ability. So I have to deconstruct it. So okay. the, the robot thing, I I realized, you know, as soon as I uh, got on the Twitter and decided that my Twitter handle would be partly robot, right? I realized that this was this was connecting to a part of my identity. Part of it is the idea that robots don't have gender. Right. That, that was part of it. It was more like, but it was also this, there is kind of like an autism stereotype that, you know, autistic people can be robotic. And right. I was like, well, let me own that. Right. Like, and let me, and besides partly robot sounds kind of fun. <laughs> it's really close to party robot. But, right. Very close. <laughs> but and so then then I you know turned it into a business name partly robot industries right right because you got to put the industries on the end there because it's fun uh, right 
yeah you didn't use it you didn't go with the go-to these days which is llc well no because that's a that requires more paperwork yeah that's true yeah the limited liability corporation which is fine but i'm like i can i'm i'm happy with being an industry leader i i'm happy with being a sole proprietorship right right but i mean for tax reasons it might make sense (laughs) later on but Oh, what what kind of liability danger do I have uh, writing stuff? Right, I don't know. I don't know. I don't emotional? Think, uh, yeah, Somebody, I mean, someone's going to sue me for emotional damages, and I'll be like, <laughs> "Well, stop reading so much." And yeah. then, then I'm going to sue that guy that I, made me stay off Twitter for four years for emotional oh, damages. But let's let's not let's not even no, go there. No, no, that's fine. I stayed off. That's, I'm back on. I'm yeah. back on. I'm on Twitter. You know, as I was like working on the zine and again and again sort of seeing this overlap with 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 gender identity and and autism identity yeah part of the reason why you reached out to me when we had that episode with kenny oh yeah with kenny i was like i was like oh yeah kenny is what you know i i want to be allies with kenny right that's that's basically what i'm gonna say i'm not gonna (laughs) you know like yes Right. Yes, I, I because the that kind of social struggle of of trying to convince people no, this is who I am. Right. Or or figuring it out. Or figuring it out right. and and saying no, this is really who I am is similar to the autism experience, especially for like adult diagnoses. Right. Where you know, you you tell somebody like, "Oh yeah, I got, you know, it t- turns out I'm autistic." And they're like, yeah, but you have a job or no, but you're fine. You're not, you're not nearly as autistic as that Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman guy in that thing or, you know. Right, right. But that's, they're missing the point. They're missing the point. And, and the, the frustrating thing is to try to convince people, no, actually this is who I am. Right. Um, which is sort of why it's important to normalize it and make people more aware. Right. See that's that's a thing. Okay, so this is this is always the the conundrum with me as far as quote unquote normalizing something. Oh yeah, is it's are you normalizing it by calling it out because you're 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 grouping yourself. You know yeah, what I mean. I you're, know. you're making it visible, but at the same time, you're separating yourself from. Yeah. And do you want to be normal? I mean, that's do you want it normalized? I I think it's something that you want as a part of you're a human being and you you are a part of that group but that's not who you are yeah that's part of who you are and you can be proud of that part but that doesn't define you right that's, that's true it's not it's not all of who i am right and right and really so it doesn't have and, to and, and that yeah. can be applicable to to anything right to, to to gender to uh denomination to yeah what what you know um race anything yeah, and it's so, part of it's part of your identity, but it's not you. It's not your identity. It's not. It's not. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I have like lots of facets to my identity. Right. And and I think that's part of where where you get back to like the non gendered pilot of a gendered meat robot. Right. Is like, well, my body is as uh, anatomically male, uh, and an, uh, anatomically white. Right. I would say like like the first time I messed around with like a an internet chat room, mm-hmm. I was suddenly struck with the novelty of oh, this is a, an arena where it's just my thoughts, right? My body and whatever that goes with it, like gender and whatnot, doesn't matter here, right? And I thought I thought that was really neat, right. and then 
And then I found out that no, people are are trying to find other people to hook up with there, <laughs> and they're and having they're having cyber. They're having yeah. cyber. The, they're still doing the same stuff, but I wasn't interested. In that. Right. So right. like that was like that was this kind of thing. Like and especially like with with doing online games, uh-huh. which let me tell you, uh, another thing that happened during pandemic is I. I got really into this uh, online game called uh, Rise of Empires. Right. Which, um, you know, Catherine put up with. <laughs> but she, she put up with, uh, put up as far with, as, is it, is it something that you devote a certain portion of your day to? Is it something um, that... There was a point where I realized I was probably spending four hours a day on it. Oh, Lord. Yeah, which is too much. Right, right. But... Um, I mean, and that's that. That seems to be, is it being autistic? I think is isn't that something? There's something where you focus on things. Yeah, you get extremely that hyper focus happens. Right, and and is that is that a part of autism? Is hyper focus kind it, of? It is. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a part of autism, but it's it's something that it's common for autistic people to Ten, do. Okay. You okay. know, right? I mean, it's also it also can be common for people um, with ADHD. Right is another right. thing where, like, you think it means oh, they can't focus at all, but sometimes they focus like hell on something. Right, and uh, and you know, I, and I noticed that I noticed this with myself. Sometimes I get really into something, mm-hmm. and I'm really really into it for a while, and then and then I'm done. Right, and I move on to another thing. Right, but um, this this Rise of Empires game. I mean, because we talk about video games on here, right? Can I talk about a video game? Yeah, sure. I mean, we can we can talk about whatever. You know what? Before you get into the video games, I, oh, I yeah. wanted I wanted to ask your opinion on um, is there when people talk about ability, mm-hmm. they sometimes talk about aptitude. And there's a the fundamental difference between aptitude and ability is what the, the aptitude is the existing potential for something as opposed to the learned ability. Well, I'm I'm gonna th- think about it differently. Like mostly, like I'm, especially in the context of my zine for ability, I I'm coming out from it as like a, a way to flip the script on disability right so rather than focusing on stuff that people can't do which is what the the medical uh, diagnosis model for like autism and other disabilities right is like you know they're all about a checklist of well what can't you do what can't you do what can't right. you do right and sometimes when you uh accept that sort of medical deficit diagnosis as your you know explanation for who you are or it's it's like it, a it's, it's like set, a prison. It it's sets like, yeah, it's like a prison. You're setting limits on yourself, right? Or or somebody else is setting limits on you because you know working in the tricky field of special education, there is that kind of thing where you know somebody decides oh so and so needs the support on this, but they kind of forget that the idea is you give them some support, and then try to pull it back and see how well they do you know what level they really need the support right you know it's right. like it's like the the danger of over prescribing a medication it's like right. well maybe a, a lower dose will do the job without without the side effects we don't want you know and one of the side effects for 
you know, over overcompensating for a disability is sort of learned helplessness. This, this idea of like, well, I'm disabled, so I can't do that. I have autism, so why should I bother talking to, you know, it's, and, and it's self-defeating. Right, right. And and I don't want to like discount anybody's experience who are like, no, 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 this is really, really hard and I it's, can't. It's a, val- it's a valid feeling. It's a valid feeling. And I just want, I want to let people feel like they can be empowered to try. Right. Because uh, that's that's one thing that I do is like, um, you know, there was a little bit where I saw that movie uh, Sleepwalk With Me. Uh-huh. You know, Mike Birbiglia. Right. And, you know, it's a great movie about him dealing with his sleep disorder. Right. But also it's about him learning how to be a stand-up comedian and being really terrible at it at first. Right. And I watched that movie and I was inspired. I was like, I want to be really terrible at something and keep working at it till I get better. Right. And so for a bit, I did actually uh, end up going to a few open mic, you know, stand up comedy things and trying some jokes and doing that. And I got to the point where I learned how I could get better. But I also learned that it was going to take a lot of work. (laughs) And the payoff for me was not what I was looking for in life. But... I did make some people laugh a couple times. Right, right. And, you know, and I learned some stuff about about stage presence and trying to compose jokes. And, and Right, right. No, that, and that's that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, trying. I, you know, it, it's a thing that all parents tell their children. It's like, oh, how do you know if you don't try? Uh, but because it's it's yeah. scary to try. It's sometimes. scary to try. And then there's that, yeah, you don't want to fail. Right. But, but there's like that. Or, or, or even just be uncomfortable. Oh yeah, uh, and that's you know, that's it's true. not even about the failure. It's it, yeah, it's it's about the putting yourself in a situation that you're not comfortable with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, and that's a very human, you know, across the board human experience. You know, right. nobody really wants to be uncomfortable, and so I think that's another obstacle for people with autism or other things, you know, other of a host of of disabilities, mm-hmm. is that that it can be uncomfortable like uncomfortable can be your baseline right so it does make it harder to try new things yeah and so really it's like knowing who you are and knowing what it is specifically that might be making you uncomfortable and figuring out how do i address that so i can be more more successful when i try these things right you know I, I I like to think of it as navigation. Navigation, yes. and, and I don't know. I, you know, I use that term too often. I think, but it, it's it's like you know, I've I've had my uh, bouts with panic and anxiety disorder, and I'm mm. on medication. See, and, you're one of the club, right? It's you're, yeah, the, yeah. the neuro uh, eight. Is it what is it called? Neuro neuro neural diverse. Neurodiverse. I'm like, you know, that is a broad, broad net. I think right. it's it I I feel like it was started for like autism, but then there's like so much, you know, there's the neurodiversity cousins, right? Right. And right. and like I think like from my own perspective, I'm like it it sort of comes back to, you know, what what is it do am I trying to make myself part of a different club? And you know, by the autism label. And it's like, I know I'm not really trying to make myself part of a different club. I, I, I definitely see myself as a human being. And like, that's the main club. I just want the, 
the understanding of of what it means to be human to not be restricted to this uh you know this uh, 1950s cookie cutter model of you know this is how everybody should be because right. we defeated the nazis and now we get to be home and and the women did and, work and, in the factories and, and, but now they shouldn't and make babies yes let's make babies and yeah. sell them rock and roll records <laughs> <laughs> that was the plan. Yep. That's, that was not was the right plan. There. I, saw, was the <laughs> I saw the manuscript. Yeah. Dwight uh, Eisenhower was like, make a lot of babies. Step one. Sell rock and roll. All right. <laughs> That's the way we do it. And build the interstate. Yeah. I, I think we could talk about this forever, but let's go back. You know what? I, no, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, social skills classes and things like that. Yeah. I, I think that we've kind of scratched the surface. And told yeah. people what your zine is about. Where can people pick up your zine? On the internet. Oh. Uh, so far. Actually, right now, it is still in the nascent pre-publication status. Um, it's uh, As soon as I get it from the printer, I will have uh, copies available for sale. But I'm currently running a Kickstarter campaign. Okay. And if you look up uh partly robots ability zine and that's zine spelled z-i-n-e partly that, robots uh robots apostrophe partly robots apostrophe yeah. ability zine right yeah that should take you to the kickstarter okay and um i've got uh you know the basic the basic level to like pre-order a copy is uh pretty low actually lower than what the cover price would be like the cover price is gonna like be 450 in the u.s right three pounds in the uk because i got a fun uk angle on this whole thing nice um yeah you got the connections i got i got a few connections right. um because um because there are zine distros different places right and uh there's a business to this. There's that's a, there's really... a, it's a, it's more of like a cottage industry. Yeah. Right. Some people have turned it into a real business, but a lot of it's, you know, people uh, do it because they love it. And so it's yeah. kind of like a volunteer. We're trying to get this stuff out there thing. Right. It's a, it's a slice of humanity that it's really unique and interesting to, to pick those up when you can and yeah. support the artist who does them. And, and yeah. a lot of like, um, yeah, a lot of people who might not find themselves, uh, published in more mainstream venues like to go to zines. Yeah. I, I think now the, the, the tendency is to go to online versions of the zine kind of presentation which would be your various social media platforms oh my I social mean, medias are like uh, little snippets of of the zine stuff yeah right, right and i've got the i've got you know a twitter feed and a right instagram feed where all partly robot industries uh my my handle would be at partly robot okay uh, and then you also have a patreon don't you i have a patreon okay what i do mostly on that is put my uh latest chapters of my uh time travel novel on right there. right because Which that's is, a go ahead and, and tell the name because i love oh the name. my the series name is larry the horrible time traveler yep because and it, comedy ensues there's cat it's wackiness if you like uh you know your your douglas adams style sci-fi silliness right with a little post-apocalyptic humor thrown in right and time travel and time travel and uh yeah, dinosaurs fighting robots. Hell, I, that's the, what, that happens. What more, what more can you ask for? 
a talking dog with two heads. You could do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that? I have that. Ah, excellent. I've, uh, I think I knew that. I think I saw, saw one of the. One of the... <laughs> yeah. But, so let's. Okay. So you tried to go into video games and I steered you out of it. Oh, games. that's so okay. Let's go back to video games. So yeah. you said this. this um, I'm sorry. What was the it's name? It's called of the... Rise of Empires. And okay. it's, it's, a free, it's a phone game. Right. It, it's a sort of a, a strategy game. Right. But it's multiplayer. Multiplayer. Right. And like. Uh, I, what am I? Why am I advertising this thing? I'm not really advertising it. Don't play no, it. No, no. But Don't I mean, play it. I'm saying know, it's very addictive. In so far as when we mention games, yeah. we're kind of advertising them. Yeah. We're really not. We're not. We're, we're not. not getting paid. I mean, unless yeah, unless 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 Rise of Empires wants to send Ben a check. <laughs> but until that happens, we're gonna call it Rise. We're of gonna something right, else. We're gonna we're say gonna it's with. it's a game where. You you build your castle, and you form your alliance, and you attack other castles. Right. And then, then you realize that no wait those other castles we're actually all in the same state, and we need to attack the other state. Every time you think you know what's happening, another layer of complexity comes in. Right. And is this because they add more things, or is this because people change their uh, their approach to the game? Uh, it's or is it a little both. bit, a little bit of column well, A, a little bit of column Well, B? it's like it's like um, when you when you start the game, you can start off in a new state, uh-huh. and which basically so like I can be a liquid. No, no. I mean, we'll call them provinces. You can start off in a new province. You just completely bypass. Yeah, I'm like I know it's not states of matter. Plasma. No? It's okay. it's a uh, yeah. Basically, okay, a new game board. <laughs> we'll say. There's a, each each province is a square great game board, and you have a little ca- a castle, and if you have enough gems, you can teleport it to other places, and put up shields. It's like it's, so. It's like realistic history. Not at all. It's <laughs> it's like like it, it, yeah, I would I would get really engrossed in me playing this, and then I would like look at it and like this is bizarre. Did you do you ever do do you spend money on it? Because that seems like a microtransactionsy kind of thing. I'm gonna get in trouble, but I used to I spent some money on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to the coffee shop then because of quarantine. Right. But you know, I yeah, I spent a similar amount of money on it. Right. And then I was like, well, this is dumb because I'm spending real money to protect imaginary resources. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but, that's true. Uh, but that was I was but, spent but, my, but it was fun. I spent my Christmas money on it. Oh, okay. so that's how I justified it. Gotcha. But, gotcha. but um, before that, I'd played it for a couple months, like in the fall, and then that one. It was the part that really in- interested me is that there's players from all over the world, and that effectively I could do. I was into the meta game, which is like you send emails to people and tell them to knock that shit off. Right. And then they respond to you and you're like, oh, that guy actually knocked that shit off. I have some power. Right. And and, and then and then I stopped because I got really mad at some guy and I was like, you know, I can't get mad at this. And then after Christmas, I was like, maybe I'll play the game again. Maybe I'll spend a little money on it and try to boost up my stuff. And then I ended up being in this province where like everybody else had played the game before and they were like, we're going to do this right this time. Right, and so which, which always means that which always means it's it's not it's not they didn't but uh, it was interesting because this time I was like well I don't want to get so 
into like that i'm a leader of an alliance right like i don't want to do it so my strategy was to okay i will join an alliance of spanish speakers <laughs> okay and then it was like oh that guy's a kind of did a dick move because he attacked a korean for no reason in 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 multiplayer games you don't mess with the koreans Oh, okay. Yeah, this, this is little known fact. They are, they are an esports powerhouse. Right. They right. devote their lives to knowing how to play these games. Okay. Like some of them do. I mean, it's That's like a, isn't that a little racially profiling? No, it's nationally profiling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like if you see, like, the way, like, and uh, it's weird because, like, on every like province of this game, and you can see what's going on in other provinces. But there's a lot of them have like these Korean alliances mm -hmm. and they're really proud about, you know, they have names like Korean Empire or I love Korea or, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, you know, that they're Koreans right. and they know that they're Koreans or you can tell by the, because you, you're, you're reading it, you know, you're recognizing the Korean script. Right. Because that, that's the one thing is like, there's a lot of different languages going on. Right. Cause it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a game that's played around the world. Right? It played around the world, which means, um, that you get an interesting sense of time. Right. Um, I ended up, yeah, I ditched the, I ditched that alliance because the guy, the leader attacked a Korean for no reason. And I was like, eh, that's just going to be bad. <laughs> and so I split and went to this other alliance that was French but turned out that guy who was running that one was kind of an idiot, and he decided to pick on the Koreans too. And I was like, "What are you doing?" And so then uh, I I kept I kept moving alliances, right? But every alliance I went to, for whatever reason, they would promote me to like a level of leadership, and it's just because I I had experience playing the game before, so I was able to level up my stuff pretty quickly, right? Right. And they're like, oh, we better make this guy. And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't, don't want to do that extra stuff. I don't want to do extra. It's a job. Right. But then I kept like taking it on because I felt the call of responsibility. <laughs> you know, and that, uh, yeah, exactly. A responsibility to what? Right. But right. Uh, a game. And, but then at the same time, as I was doing this, I was like, okay, I am like interna interacting with people in different countries, right. making friendships across. Like, also, you're kind of justifying it. Also, my, my, in this game, I was like, my, my handle was like robot lord. Okay. And so, like, I was like going with the robot thing is like, I don't want to like, I don't want to tell anybody personal stuff about me. I try, I'm going to try not to let gender come into what I do. In which, but people would just assume I was male, I think. Right. But because as soon as somebody like revealed they were female and put up like uh, their own, you know, picture of themselves, then all of a sudden a bunch of creepy dudes are creeping at them. And uh, I was like, I just wanted to talk to the Belgian guy about what kind of beers he likes. <laughs> what the heck? Do you, do you play any other games or just the... oh okay so I don't play this game anymore right because I realized that it was taking up all my life and I needed to make my zine right but doing it and realizing that I could communicate with people in other countries mm -hmm. and sort of figure out these deals gave me knowledge that I have the ability to do these things and. Coming around to back to ability, back, back to the zine, back to the ability zine. So, right. um, I, uh, you know, a researcher in the UK who was uh, Anna Stenning, who was doing uh, 
research into autistic life writing, right. found my last zine, mm-hmm. and she had some grant money oh, okay. for um, putting on, um, you know, some some events related to her fellowship grant for, you know, researching life writing, and she contacted me and she's like, well, you know. I've got this grant and I'm supposed to put on events, but we can't have events because of the pandemic. Right. Uh, would, can I, can you make a zine for me? Right. Can you make another zine and I'll, I'll pay you some money. I was like, well, okay. Right. <laughs> so, so, so this is basically the reason why you haven't been playing games or haven't been. Well, I was trying to do both for a while. Yeah. And then I realized that, but it's uh, only Age of Emp- uh, this Age of Empires game. Or it was, yeah, though you can call it that. That's not the. It's right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's no. not Age of Empires. But it's that's, uh, that's a it's game. another Empire game. Right. The, the Empires Strike Back. No, that's that's. I think that's a movie. That was a of movie. Some sort. Yeah. Okay. Well, the ri- raise the Titanic. It has something to do with yeah. space wizards or something. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> the space wizards fight back. Right. It was a good one. <laughs> they had a little guy named Yoder. <laughs> I liked him. Yeah, he uh, was he was an MTV DJ once. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, bringing it back to ability, the the video game really taught me that I had the tools to uh, coordinate with people overseas to right. make stuff happen. So that was that was the thing that was the the video game helped you the, the, the realize video, that the video game helped me boost my confidence in being able to. So now I'm like, and so. But it also kept me from getting work done on the zine. Right. And then I was like, I just need to stop and, and finish this. Mm-hmm. And so I quit the game Cold Turkey. Um, but I play I play Civilization on my phone. Oh, okay. Be, because that one is more like meditative for me. and helps Civilization me. as in the, or like uh, um, Sid Meier? Yeah. 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 There's, yeah. there's one on my phone like Civilization, Revolutions, mm-hmm. or something that. I've just had it on my phone forever. Yeah. And I'll just play through that in just sort of like a meditative way. And yeah. And that's that's similar yeah. to that seems like it's similar to the Empire's. Yeah. Yeah, it's about. it's got it's like that kind of it, feel. It's got it's got some of the same same dynamics. It's just not online. It's not online and you're right. not getting sucked up into people's drama for right. getting mad at each other for messing up the freaking reign of chaos. Yeah, I, yeah. That's that's the one thing with, with the way I mean, I don't know. You and I were both raised in a in a gaming culture where arcade games and things like that were there was a there was a social sort of dynamic around those. You would yeah. go there with your friends, yeah. and you, you know, you bullshit with your friends. And, oh, right, yeah, yeah. You talk to and people, somebody, and if somebody had the quarter in the machine, and the other three of you were standing around them, and <laughs> like, yeah, you, bullshit. yep, yeah. But but I mean that's that's a, it, it the thing that I'm I usually play now I just play games for story if I if I you know I don't play them for interaction with people yeah uh, the interaction with people I I prefer is face to face and talking to people yeah you it's know? it's that's more genuine right yeah do you think so do you think that's more I, genuine I I feel like uh, that's what they tell us. Well, I mean, that's uh, more genuine can... than uh, well, I would say like okay, in the in my experience with in the game, right, where I was deliberately trying not to give any personal information, right, and also sort of creating 
making some some sorts of bonds with some of these people right about stuff um involved with strategy and, and playing the game so it was it was kind of like a sports thing i guess right it's very much like feeling like i was on a sports team right but like, you weren't like i'm a, it's a, on a intramural softball team and we're gonna go do that and then except for uh, most of these people were in other countries at different times right, so right. and and because because of pandemic times and working from home i was able to look at my phone way too often right so it's kind of pulled you into and, it and that's that's why i feel like i was spending four hours a day playing it which is probably not an exaggeration but it was like you know five minutes here five minutes there five minutes there right but, but yeah total yeah, but you know, if I, I can looked, never, I can never play games more than uh, you know, an hour, two hours tops. Yeah, I mean, just personally, uh, it just doesn't. It, I can't do it any longer. Yeah, than that. it's that's that's good. Yeah, that sounds healthy. I don't want to. I mean, yeah. it's just like you know, I play a little bit before uh before yeah. bedtime, and then yeah. you know, but you know, some of them really are, especially the phone games are really designed to like, like keep you right adam and, uh-huh. and and with the in-game purchases right exactly like, well if micro, i just microtransactions if i, if I just spend 99 cents right now then i get the upgrade that thing and right yeah 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 and that's that's part of the thing with it seems to be an acceptable thing in phone games but not an acceptable thing when it comes to console games people people <laughs> complain about the microtransactions and things yeah um but I mean, that's the way people make their money in, on, yeah. on cell phone stuff on phone yeah. games. So. Yeah, it's it's it, there's a dynamic to it that uh, I think I, I think your perspective is interesting as far as being able to communicate with people. And, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, it it was that that was what was fascinating to me more than the the gameplay itself was the the oh look I'm I'm practicing my French or look I. <laughs> Right, I under I I recognize those Spanish cuss words. That guy's being rude, right. and you know it's like, <laughs> but I'm like, well, is this really? I'm not having a genuine experience because we're you know some people were some people were really sharing more about themselves, and I was not really willing to in that venue. Right, and but you don't have to. You don't have to. Right. But also like a lot of people are going there because hey, there's a pandemic going on and this is how we're getting our social interaction. Right. And so that was cool for that reason. Right. I mean, I did I do, you know, I did like make a, a Moroccan friend that I was like then like a, a pen pal. Like sort of like a pen pal, but but then it's like, well, we're just doing this stupid game and like I, I don't know. Right. And also uh because getting in that leadership role in an alliance was kind of like you know having a project management job <laughs> without Except, the without the pay without the pay you know right. the long hours right. but no pay it's right. like well, what exactly. the hell am i doing and so then i realized like oh okay i've actually been practicing these skills and i'm going to make this zine i'm, I'm going to i was like i'm going to coordinate a print run in the uk i'm going to find somebody that can help me out. so i was like okay i i know how to communicate with people overseas over this time difference yeah so so zoom, those skills got the you, zoom skills i picked up from school those abilities these, if you will I, I yeah yes i i learned new things and i i discovered i had abilities right, right. in areas and and so um because of that 
you know you can this, buy this wonderful zine because of that because of my abilities you can buy my zine right and here's a good reason to buy my zine um because hopefully it will entertain you as well as educate you right uh i call it fundertainment funder no fundercation Fun- uh, edutainment okay well, let's okay. see it's edutainment that is staying in that's staying Um, in that that was that was scripted yeah that was in my notebook you will find it okay you'll find it right here um (laughs) i had that written in here okay okay i trust you i got it Um, (laughs) (laughs) entertainment (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna make a t-shirt yeah dude you've got you've got, you've got your industry man i got it yeah. yeah uh i got you know if i sell one of them it'll be a miracle right but now the the, the zine um I'm, I'm selling them but i also know full well that i will probably give away at least half of them that i produce right because it's more about um it's more about getting that message out there. Right. And right. so that's why I'm doing the Kickstarter. It's like, well... But the thing is, with, yeah. with more money, you can do more of these things. With more money, them, you can do more of them. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, yes. So I'm definitely sending, you know, 50 copies off the bat to my... Uh, Friends in the UK. Uh, to the... Uh, University of Leeds, uh, yeah. you know, Anna Stending, she, she's like, I, 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 you know, I can get some out to people. Is 50 too much? And I was like, oh, you can have 50. I'm like, <laughs> like you okay. said you're going to give me money from, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, 50 is, well, yeah. That's plenty. fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't even understand how UK money works. Yeah. And they have this funny L squiggly thing right. in front of it. You know. And they're no longer Euro, right? They're yeah, they should... yeah they're not in the EU. They yeah. never they never took the Euro as a currency. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was always they always, always had one foot out the door. It was always pounds and pence. Always pounds and pence. Right. They didn't do the shilling so much anymore, but no, no, mm-hmm. not, not since they took the money metric. We're reaching the end of the show here, oh, so okay. let's. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention though to you. Even though you don't play these, it seems like what you would play on games is more strategic civilization, kind yeah. of simulator, kind of you know um, strategy games, right? Is that is that fair? Um, that is fair. Okay, I'm better with turn based than uh, real time, like first person shooter kind of things. Not your not your no. deal. Yeah. Nah. Well, there is. Uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, but there is a character in the game Overwatch, which is basically, um, it's a it's a co- it's a cooperative multiplayer kind of game where you've got teams of six against other teams of six, and each mm. character has their own roles um, to assist, like either you know do damage or heal or things like that. There is a character that in their backstory they are. Um, they are autistic. It is a character uh, named Symmetra, who, well, I guess it's amputee also with one arm that's a cybernetic arm. Um, partly and, robot. Yep, partly <laughs> robot, exactly. And she's a hard light architect. In the, it's a future thing where uh. there's a technology that this Indian corporation has, has made 
that um, can basically, you can build physical Ooh. things with light. Yeah. So she is one of these architects and has to protect. Built into her storyline is the fact that she's autistic, and that's why she, she has approached things in building differently because yeah. of her autism. So that's kind of an interesting... They need to be more more characters of that. I another thing I wanted to ask you before we left about yeah. video games specifically was there are things now where they have accessibility options for games, right? Is there something that makes a game more accessible to someone with autism, or is it something where certain games appeal to them? Is there something that connects with autistic? children adults and and draws them into games or is it not something that that they can design around or specifically for video games are designed for autistic people okay. probably designed by autistic people in a lot of cases right. like uh that guy that invented pokemon right i mean okay. he is he's diagnosed yeah um i was asking an ignorant question no or? no what i'm saying is that it's interesting the problem tends to be uh, figuring out a way to get them to enjoy something besides games. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> so characters being autistic or, or bringing in people who are like, Hey, I can identify with that. That's not a problem because they, they can communicate with machines more comfortably sometimes. Oh, I, Yeah. Sometimes there's, let's see. This is all getting problematic, but the, the, I'm sorry. It's no, partially my ignorance. So. No, no, no. It's not. It's, it's, uh, I, I would say, honestly, I have this feeling that, that Silicon Valley and a lot of computer engineers are already, already have a lot of autistic traits right. and sort of design things that would be easy for them to navigate. Uh -huh. So, a lot of computer programs and games are already intuitive for a lot of, of people, you know, a lot of autistic kids right. would just be like, oh, yeah, I get this. Right. And, and they pick it up really quick. They pick so. it up really good. Also, just kids in general pick up technology really quickly. Right. Because right. it's kind of... Uh, because their brains are just ready to learn new like things. Like big sponges. They're big sponges, yeah. and they learn technology fast. Right. And that's just, it's like, if you have, if, if I've learned that if I'm having trouble with my technology, give it to a kid. And then they're like, no, you do this. And then, right, like, exactly. oh, then I feel, well, I feel old. God, let me talk to my mom about her drawer full of cords that she doesn't need. Right. <laughs> you, ever, you ever ask a kid to pantomime a phone? Mm -hmm. That's really a way to feel old. As you say, hey, can you, if you, you know, like if you're telling someone you're on the phone and you're just using your hand, how do you do it? And yeah. people are putting their hand up next to their ear like they're on a cell phone. Yeah. As opposed to using the old school handset. Or getting a banana. Or a banana. That's one of my favorite cafeteria gags. The banana phone? The banana phone. Oh, it's just a banana. Oh. I'm sorry. It's not a phone call. The, kid, the first graders love that. Potassium. But, um, but anyways, what? what so, are, so the, the, but the I feel like is, I want to go back about the the your idea of including autistic characters in the games, right? Which I think, um, I think that's cool. Right. Uh, I think, actually, I think it could be done really well. Um, 
And I do think that people that know that identify uh-huh. uh, would, would uh, like that. Right. But I also think that a lot of kids uh, often aren't told what their diagnosis is or right. explained. It's not always explained to them. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it might be a wash. Right. It might be a wash. Uh, I Just think because it, they don't realize, but people who are older who yeah. um, identify as that being on 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 yeah. a, a back a part of a backstory as part of a backstory and you know it's kind of like kids are kids so you want to give them good examples and you hope they take but yeah in the end you know everybody loves mr furley <laughs> and that is a wonderful that is a wonderful way to end our episode i believe <laughs> everybody, everybody loves Mr. Furley. <laughs> and on that note, that has been our uh, episode on ability. Thank you to Andrew of Partly Robot Industries for sharing his views on the word ability. Hey, you know what the goodbye thing is, don't you, Andrew? Uh, go with God. No, no that's a no, different podcast. That's a different podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Right, last, time, right. last time it was like somebody uh, was late and had to go. Oh, that's true. Let's not do that, though. <laughs> Let's just do it traditionally, and we'll say, thank you for joining us, and my name is Ben. My name's Andrew. And we've been your hosts, and have a wonderful day. Go with God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's Spencer Crittenden's thing. Okay. So. <laughs> Spencer and Jeff, invite me on your podcast.